Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Battle to Be podcast, the Phoenix and the Ferryman. And this is our second episode today. So I know you guys are probably super excited to hear me talk again, but I have a fun and interesting guest coming tonight who is not only a dear friend of mine, but an author and a speaker and the leader of the Growth Lab. And his program is Hushing the Inner Bully. So I'm going to bring to you Sean Douglas. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? So good. So good. I'm really excited to have you on the show because I think it's going to be a really fun show. I love when I get introduced as fun and interesting. You are fun and interesting. You have a lot of different topics that we can play with. Which, my, Well, my title is the chief shenanigans officer for the growth lab. So <laughs> I try to keep things fun. So yeah, I'm excited. I think we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. <laughs> so we are starting a brand new thing. My husband has gotten involved and he created a huge list of crazy, wacky questions that we can start our shows off with just for fun. So instead of asking my usual question, which is tell me a little bit about who you are in the world right now, after your trauma and all of that stuff, we are going to go, uh, I already pulled one before the show and it was totally appropriate for you. So we are going to go with what is your biggest dirty little secret or guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure. Uh, I really, really, really like rom-coms. Like, like that's totally like cheese. The cheesier, the better. Um, the Hallmark movies, like, yeah, nineteen eighties Christmas movies. Oh yeah, totally. And um, my eyes. At any time I watch a movie like that, like I get something in my eyes. Um, <laughs> so. For whatever reason, like they just leak constantly and at the drop of a hat and for many different reasons. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll go with that as my my guilty pleasure. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I love a man who's in touch with his emotions. That's a challenge oftentimes, obviously, with my clientele. So when we get to play with our emotions, when we get to just embrace them and let those sappy moments come. It's, it's a celebration. It's a joyous ability to be able to express that. I'm the guy that can like cry at the, the commercial that has had no reason to cry. Like that they're coming home to their new home. And for some reason I'm crying because it's nostalgic. I don't know. I, it takes very little to, to, to push me over the edge. The Folgers commercial with the, with the brother that just came home and the little girls. Oh, yeah. And like military, like homecomings or like if you're scrolling TikTok and they have the the videos where um, dad comes home and surprises the kids or uncle or mom or whatever. I'm done. I, I'm done. Can't even talk. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> So our show is always a little bit of dark side. We always want to go 
Um, we want to hear a little bit about your trauma story. We want to hear some of the things that you've been through, some of the things that you've overcome. All right. Uh, so I guess probably the biggest um, traumatic experience for me was probably uh, when I was when I was five years old. My mom and my dad split, and my mom left. Um, and to me, that felt like I was abandoned and deserted. Uh, and because I was in the formative years of my life, you know, when we're up to seven years old is when we're kind of developing our identity and all of our beliefs and who we are. And um, that had a huge impact on who I was uh, and who I am. And it took me 30 years to really, or 35 years even really to to fully come to terms and face that and address it and, um, and heal from it. Uh, so childhood trauma is real. Like it is a huge thing and it, it made an impact on who I am today. It made an impact on my career choice. It made an impact on my relationships with my kids. Um, like it, molded me into the the human being that I am today. There's a lot to be said for that. And I don't I don't talk about um, complex PTSD very often and I don't talk about developmental trauma very often, but that's the other side of my specialties is because I study neuroscience and because I study the psychology of trauma, we get to do both sides of that. So my own story is also of developmental trauma and attachment disorder. Uh, that inability, insecure attachments played huge, huge roles, huge role. And it's, it's that same thing, that fear of abandonment, that fear that you're not worthy of love, the belief systems that everyone's going to leave you, that if you want them to love you, you have to do exactly what they say, exactly how they say it, because if you disappoint them, they'll leave. <laughs> right there. Right there. I hear you. I lived that for a long time, always, you know, always being the the wanting to please because yeah the fear of being abandoned um or the the fear of being taken advantage of um so yeah a very real part of my life and that's kind of where the whole idea of hush the inner bully came from um is when i when i realized that a lot of my beliefs were not based in um based on truth um but they were based in my perception of reality and that perhaps my perception of reality was a little bit warped and twisted because of the things that I had experienced in my life. Um, and that inner dialogue kind of was a result of a lot of those things that I experienced early on and um, of never being able to be enough, never, um, you know, into my mid to late thirties, I, I held on to this belief in this, this constant nagging in my mind that, that I would never be successful um, and would never accomplish anything because I was lazy. Now let's put this into perspective at 38, 39, I, we had had several companies um, over the years that were successful. Um, 
we lived very comfortably. We were working um, in a position where we wanted for nothing, sending our kids to private school. Uh, like we were the the family that like we were, we made it, right? And so, and in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking you're never going to be a success. Um, you're never going to make it because you're lazy. Now, more perspective. When I was in college, um, I took 18 to 21 credit hours every semester and worked two jobs. I literally survived in college on three to four hours of sleep a day. And it was class, three to four hours of sleep, go wait tables for six hours, and then go work at the, the hotel at the night desk um, for as an auditor for eight hours. And so that was my life. And it was constantly never being enough. It didn't matter how much I did. I was never going to be enough until I address that, that underlying belief um, and, and really started to change that inner dialogue. And that's where the whole concept of learning to hush the inner bully came from. This stuff is so powerful. It's you just like made my brain flash to this like moment. One time, one thing my father said to me, he said, you're too stupid to go to college. And right now I'm completing my doctorate for no other reason, but to prove, to prove that not only am I not too stupid to go to college, I can do the hardest, best, biggest, baddest shit out there. <laughs> so it gave me something to prove. I don't need that degree anymore. I'm doing it to prove something to myself, but also to someone who's not even here anymore. So yeah, I don't know anything about <laughs> two jobs and school thing. No, no. And it's really funny because I meet people all the time that have this repeating cycle that have this personality type that are kind of type A, um, but really, really driven, but always feel like they're the underdog, always feel like they're not quite there, they're not quite good enough. And there is a tremendous people pleasing aspect to that, like this huge, the, that part rules the day. And then the rest is kind of on the back burner. So all we do is for other people, we don't take care of ourselves. We don't make time for ourselves, but no matter what we do, no matter how good it is, it's never enough. And I meet people like this all the time. This is, this is, clients that don't know they've been traumatized this is people that don't even know they need help because they don't recognize this as a as an unhealthy cycle they just think life is that way they just think that's all there is and it's miserable some of them don't know it's miserable but it can be so much better it's it's miserable because you're in a constant state of heightened stress of, of that like you never get to just sit and go <sighs> right so when we learn we because we because our personality people that are like us we have to learn to relax I mean that's so for a lot of people that is like counterintuitive like that's stupid what do you mean you have to learn no like you have to teach yourself to relax, you have to like teach yourself these basic skills of of bringing down your heart rate and letting your guard down, 
um, releasing the the adrenaline and um, all the chemicals that have you at a constant state of 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 angst, um, and you're always on high alert. And yeah, when when I learned that I didn't have to be that way because I didn't always have to be in a defensive mode. I didn't always have to be in performance mode. Um, yeah. Wow. Like it's freeing. It's, it's liberating to, to just be able to sit back and go, yeah. Okay. Life. Like I don't have to worry about that right now. I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and I'm just gonna unplug and chill. And I, I would say most of my adult life, I didn't have that that skill set. I'm still challenged by the chill. <laughs> Ask my husband. He'll tell you I don't know how to relax. I won't sit still for the length of an entire movie. It's a skill set. <laughs> it can be learned. Still on that one. The cool thing here, though, that we're getting to is healing isn't a destination healing has no finality we're on this pathway we're on this journey forever so even as we recognize the things that happen to us even as we recognize the causes even as we recognize our behaviors and our patterns and we practice the solutions and they're called a practice for a reason there are still days when you wake up and everything is wrong <laughs> and you fall into old patterns and you feel old kind of ways and you do all the things that you know better than to do. <laughs> but that's what healing is. As long as you're moving forward, taking steps, and you're going to have more good days than bad days the further along the pathway that you get. But... We're never there. So it's always finding those partners. <laughs> Nobody has to do it alone. So you kind of find that network, those partners, those people that can support you. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I like the idea that you're never there. I I, I, I would be open to fleshing that out. Um, I think I think absolutely healing's a process and there are, there's always things to you're always going to be looking at it from another perspective. And today I'm a different person than I was yesterday. So as I look at that experience from today's viewpoint, maybe there's another layer. I don't know. Um, to phrase it in, in, in the way of that it, you never get there is just daunting to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't like that. <laughs> I like that the you can be real. <laughs> I like to think of it as the journey is more important than the destination. So if we're always focused on the I'm going to be better, I'm going to get this to this place, I'm going to have this result, then we're not in the present and we're not experiencing what we're experiencing right now. So to be focused on this picture in our heads of what better looks like, of what healed looks like, it shifts all the time. <laughs> we don't know what healed looks like. And I guess, I guess in my belief system and the way I look at things, 
I believe that the healing has already like it. I am a whole person. I am a whole human being. I lack nothing. And so I guess healing to me is more of it's already happened and I'm just becoming aware of the different perspectives um, and I'm learning. Um, So maybe for me, I just need to look at it as it's a continual learning process and not a healing process because I really do feel like, like we don't lack, like, like in my map of the world, um, my worldview, I truly believe that that we were created perfect. And then we came into this world and we were programmed for failure because of the the traumatic things and the in the the experiences that we have. And then we get to rediscover, I guess you could say, who it is that we truly are and our our true identity that we're fully resourced, that we're completely whole, that we lack nothing. Um, and that, that we live in an abundant universe that supports us and that life happens for us and it's not happening to us. And, and all of these concepts and these ideas that we get to discover, um, as we unlearn the crap that we learned as, as we grew up. I love that. That's a positive, it's a positive way of looking at things. And I feel like, I feel like we kind of come at things from a really similar place, but the language is a little different. So, um, but like the universal energy and the concepts of everything being interconnected and uh, time, time is an interesting conversation. Usually time being (laughs) nonlinear and not. Yeah. I'm still working with that one. Right. And perception. Perception is also a really interesting conversation to just go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> but nonetheless, every day we get a lot of opportunities to experience new things, to learn new things, to try new things, and to be entirely different. So every single morning when you wake up, you have the opportunity to choose who you want to be today. Who do you want to put out into the world? And most people don't realize they can choose who they want to be and just figure out what your core values are or a lot of I lost you. People call them core values.
Aha, we fixed it. <laughs> well, we that was have, awkward. We have a, um, there's a tropical storm. <laughs> Apparently not that far off, so I'm You're not. You're the reason we're getting all this rain. Probably. I think it's still in Mexico at the moment. But we tend to get, we tend to get like offshoots that are way too early, way earlier than they should be. But sometimes that happens. Internet's crazy. <sighs> All right. So tell us, you have so much going on. We're going to shift topics a little bit because tell us about your family. Tell us about your amazing wife and your amazing kids and what you do for the community and for all these amazing kiddos. Uh, all right. So my wife and I, Marie, have been married for 21 years. We have a 19-year-old, uh, a 12-year-old, and a 29-year-old who we adopted when he was 16. Um, so... Um, for the last 20 years, 21 years, we have been, no, sorry, last 19 years, we have been um, foster parents in one form or another. Uh, we currently run a group home in Northwest Ohio for kids who are in um, the foster care system. And the kids that typically end up in our home are kids who um, have seen a lot of trauma, have, uh, have have experienced a lot of trauma, and who uh this isn't their first placement. So if you know anything about foster care, that gives you an, an idea and a scope of kind of the, the kids that we work with on a daily basis. Um, yeah, that's kind of our, our, our zoo. We have, we live in Northwest Ohio on seven, seven and a half acres, roughly. Uh, we have two alpacas, four goats, two miniature horses, a couple of dogs, some chickens um, and God only knows what other pets are here that I don't know about. Uh, oh no. <laughs> so when I say welcome to the zoo, I literally mean welcome to the zoo. I've seen pictures. I've seen video and the goats are adorable. I'm not sure about the alpacas yet. They're kind of scary. All oh, the alpacas <laughs> are my favorites. They look like they're going to bite you. <laughs> no, they're my favorite. <laughs> they're very cute. They so are. I think they're my favorite because I think they're a lot like me. They're a little standoffish and but really they're sweet and kind uh on the inside. So uh they're rescues, so it's funny. It's we can't really you can barely pet them because they're so skittish and sketchy. Um, because they were rescues and we don't really have a lot of information on their history. Um, but they're slowly warming up to us, like really slowly. <laughs> It's been over a year. That's pretty slow. That's really very It is, but now like they will eat out of your hand and they their favorite thing in the world is fig fig newtons. Um so <laughs> we have packs and packs of fig newtons in our pantry that you just go out and feed the alpacas fig newtons because it's therapeutic. And is part of why you have all the animals to help with the kids? Um, no, we have all of the animals because the pandemic and I asked for my, I asked for a puppy and, uh, we ended up with four goats and two horses and two alpacas. Did you get a puppy? No, 
I stopped asking for a puppy because every time I would ask for a puppy, we got two more goats. <laughs> dogs are the best. I love dogs. We do. We have two dogs. Um, but literally, I, the the all of the outside animals aren't mine. Um, the backstory is at the beginning of the pandemic, I um, we had a, an older lab boxer who was getting on in his years, and I knew he wasn't going to be with us much longer. And so I wanted to get a puppy so that you know his energy could rub off a little bit on the puppy. Um, and so I went to Marie and I said, I really uh, wanted a puppy. And we started looking and she came to me and she said, I found these two goats. And I'm like, that's not a puppy. Um, and they're bottle babies and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? I said, I don't care as long as you understand that I don't do chores. You can get whatever you want, whatever animals you want, as long as you understand I don't do chores. Um, I'm not doing this animal stuff. <laughs> so that was what almost two years ago, and now we have four goats, two alpacas, two miniature horses, and seventeen chickens. And yeah, at least you can eat the chickens. <laughs> they, they, they. We never buy eggs, so that's a bonus, right? So tell us about your projects that you have going on. Tell us about your business and the work that you're doing in the world. Uh, so other than the the foster home, the group home, we run a community called the Growth Lab, Marie and I do. And it is a um, group of like-minded individuals who are heart-centered and who want to make an impact in the world and need a place to grow. And each month we come together, uh, we do a monthly book study, we do weekly um, virtual happy hour where people come together and just shoot the shit. Like they literally, it literally, um, this is a funny story. When we first launched the first virtual happy hour, everybody comes together. we got like 15 people on the zoom call and um, I'm like, all right, I got to make this meaningful, right? Because I got to lead and trying to overmanage. And so I had these like discussion type cards and I'm like, I'm going to pull one of these cards and ask a question. And I pulled the card and asked the question. And they're like, wait, this is supposed to be happy hour. And I was like, okay, noted, done. So we come together once a week and literally just have fun. Um, it's shenanigans and supporting one another and we laugh and we cry and we have a good time. Uh, and then uh, monthly we come together and do a deep dive into a, um, a book, whatever the book is that we've decided to study that month. And then there's other various opportunities to connect and grow, um, support one another. Uh, and we have a retreat that's coming up in January. That's going to be in Kissimmee, Florida, that is open to anyone that is interested in um, personal growth and becoming the best uh, them that they can be. So if you want inf more, more information on that, they can reach out. We are working on a book project together, Krista. You have graciously contributed to um, a book that we're working on called In the Arena, which is a, a project to inspire and encourage um, new entrepreneurs. So getting ready to launch a podcast, uh, working on a couple of courses. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I would rather see a lot going on than stagnation. And 
with, as we have this entire group of entrepreneurs that we're always spending time with, it's fun to watch the spurts. Like people go on five different projects all at once and then they take like this little like, oh my gosh, that part's over, now what? And then there's this moment of redirection and refocus and and figure it all out and make a plan and then everybody kind of does the little spurt again. So it's really fun to watch uh, the leapfrog growth process that's kind of happening here. Um, and to know that, Again, this is a situation, whether you're an individual or whether you're an entrepreneur, you really need to reach out, make connections, create a support group, and really learn, and it is a learned skill, learn to actually lean on those people, learn to actually ask for what you need, learn to provide value and to give to those people easily and freely and to recognize what they need without them asking. And when you start being able to work as a unit that way, where you're always giving, but you're also receiving, you will be elevated to levels that you can't even dream of right now. You will find that the things that you want to achieve are easy to achieve, that you're, you're not struggling against resistance anymore. And some of us find it really challenging to do that. <laughs> How is that for you? Yeah, it's 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 challenging. It is to um, not only just to ask for help, but being a an A personality or a D on on the disc scale, um, being willing to to ask for help and then accept the help because. Uh, you know, it's hard to let go of, of the reins. <laughs> so that's, that's something, um, you don't always have to be in control. Like you don't always have to, um, hold the strings. It, it's okay to give those up sometimes. I'm preaching to the choir here. So. Right. No, literally, I was talking to my coach, and all your coaches should have coaches, and if they don't have coaches, they're probably not the right coach for you, because <laughs> your people need to be supported just as much as they're supporting you. So literally, on my new note that I have up on the wall is, fuck perfection, shoot for progress. <laughs> and that was like this whole thing that, nope, I can't, I can't, it's not ready, it's not ready. And no. A friend of mine today online asked the question, um, what is like, what is your greatest lesson you've learned in the, in the online space and the digital space? Um, and my response was done is better than perfect. And that's hard. Like, I can't tell you how many, how many projects I've, I've worked on till perfection uh, and then launched and they just like, like complete flop and it's like i wasted i've wasted hundreds probably thousands of hours on perfecting different things to bring to market and then nothing because it would have been much better just to to get it done and get it out there to see if it was even worth spending time on um and one of the things that i've learned uh in my entrepreneurial journey is that um, it's, it's a process. It's all about, um, 
okay, let's do this and then let's let's see what works and then let's try it again and let's tweak this, let's tweak this. Um, it's a constant iteration, okay? This is this is an iteration and then you go, oh, hmm, hmm, that, that, that didn't feel right. That didn't feel good at all. And so you, you kind of bring it all back in and you, you tweak it and you mess around a little bit and, and then you put it back out there and it goes, oh, okay, that felt a little bit better. Um, and, and that's, that's what life is like, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, when in, in life, we just have to, we have to put ourselves out there. And then if it doesn't feel good, you just kind of bring it back in and go, okay, well, let's tweak this, let's tweak this, let's tweak this, and let's try again. Um, but the key is to never stop trying. I'm a super visual person. The Dory fish is constantly in my head, bumping into things. Literally, I see that all the time. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Doesn't matter if you're upside down, doesn't matter if you're running into things, just keep swimming. <laughs> so, yeah, life motto. Yeah. It's all about the people that you see that are successful are successful because they took action, not because they were perfect not because they did it better on the first try than you did or I did. We don't know how to do things until we do them. So you just have to try um, and you have to take action and that's how you find success. Somebody was saying 30 second decisions and it, it stressed me out. I literally was like, wait, you actually, they're like, you should never have to consider a business decision for more than 30 seconds. And that's how you get there. And I was like, wait, I want to know the, no, I want the facts. <laughs> I want statistics. I want facts. I want to, you know, weigh my options. I'm like a 24 hour person. <laughs> so that literally made me uncomfortable. I was like, I would never be able to do that. A little like, anxiety inducing. This dude's a millionaire. So maybe I should listen to that 30 seconds decision-making thing. Cause then you go with your instincts. Then you just go with your gut instead of, all that data <laughs> that may or may not be useful. So I might, I might try. Well, and ultimately <laughs> the only question to ask is, will it move me closer to my goal? Will it move me closer to my purpose? Um, and if you answer yes to that question, what else is there to think about? But right. I know we like, we like to analyze um, what is the, what is the ROI and will it get me there in the right amount of time? And is there a quicker way or is there a different way? And so yeah, Risk I ratio. <laughs> we, then we have that analysis paralysis, right? And then the opportunity passes and you're like, well, shit, now what do I do? I have to wait for the next opportunity. Yep. Yep. I'm looking at that 30 second rule. I find it very intriguing and terrifying at the same time. But I, I love the idea that things that scare you are things that you maybe should look at. Yeah. <laughs> so like, hmm, I need to look at that reaction because it's literally like gut instinct reaction of, oh, no, no, that's not okay. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's fun. Let's play with that. <laughs> so that's right. the next growth. That's the next growth question for me is why am I so uncomfortable with that idea? Why does it make me want to throw up? <laughs> it's a good question. Right? So what's next for you? What's next for me? 
what's next for you? Um, what's your big goal? Hmm. I don't, I, I'm really focusing on the projects right now that I'm working on. I haven't like, let's get these things done. <laughs> You're on your short terms right now. I really am. I mean, long-term for us, it's uh, the dream is, is location and time freedom uh, to be able to devote more to our family and be able to have a little bit more freedom than we do right now because the group home of course has been for the last 19 years 24 7. um so marie and i we don't get to travel together so if she's going somewhere i'm here with the kids if i'm going somewhere she's here with the kids we rarely get to uh experience life together unless we have five or seven or however many ducklings behind us um so we're looking at opportunities and ways to, to create some, some freedom there. So that's kind of the goal. Well, you only have one now in the house that's young, youngish. Um, well, we have currently in our home, we have a 10 year old, a 12 year old, a two 16 year olds and an 18 year old. And then our 19 year old. So what is that? That's six right now. I lose count. And it changes often or as no, no, it doesn't. We, we are really, um, we like balance and we don't like, uh, to change the chaos. When you bring a new kid into the house, it's just very chaotic for a while as, as alphas find their way, you know, and everybody has to, there's the pecking order. Everybody has to figure out where everybody fits and, um, so we don't like a lot of change. Um, we actually, we just brought a new, a new kid in. Um, so things are kind of like this right now. Uh, but we typically have um, three or four foster kids and then our two kiddos. It's big commendable work. It makes a big difference in the world, even when you don't feel like it does. You know, it's... The universe is crazy. Um, it really is. There are days, of course, when you're just like, I'm done. Uh, I'm locking the doors, kicking everybody out. I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. And those are the days where you get a phone call from a kid who lived with you 17 years ago and says, um, that was the best year of my life. You taught me so much. I never had a family. You were the only family I ever had, um, you know, and just rips your heart out. And you're just like, damn it. Like I was, I was good. I had convinced myself I didn't need to do this anymore. <laughs> right. And then you get that and it's like, all right, we can keep going. Forever. It, it really is a calling. It's, it's when you, when you found your purpose and you've done it for 19 years, um, the the typical couple in our our situation last nine months. Wow! Like that's the typical lifespan of of a a a couple in a group home, and here we are, 
19 years in and um, 135 plus kids and a guy that said he never wanted to get married and never wanted to have kids. <laughs> Joke's on me. So. But you didn't know what you had to offer to everyone else yet. No, I didn't. Big sigh. <laughs> <sighs> nope. All right. If your wife was here and we asked her to tell us an embarrassing story about you, what would she say? Because you know there's one that she always says. <laughs> no, we don't really do that, but... I don't know. She might tell you about the time that I split my pants on a job interview. Oh, no. At a job interview? Literally. So we've worked for a couple different agencies um, through our time in, in the foster care system. And we were transitioning from one program to another. And we were interviewing... Uh, and we were on their campus and they were taking us around to the different houses and showing us the programs. And uh, I got out of, they were kind of chauffeuring us around in, in a big white van, right? Um, the 15 passenger vans. And I got out of the van and literally I got out of the van and my pants split from my crotch all the way to my knee. Um and there was nothing you could do to hide it. Like there's nothing. And the guys, I'm just looking at the guy. I'm like, and like, what do you do? <laughs> so, you're not a commando kind of guy, right? <laughs> no, I, I was not. Thankfully, <laughs> that would have been really bad. Um, right? But then, you know, so what do you do? You take your coat off or your whatever, and you tie, tie it around your waist. Right. And then you're wearing a skirt for the rest of the interview. Um, trying to cover up in, in the, the breezy uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Ah. All right. So on that note, how can people find you? Um, easiest way to find me is Facebook. Uh, Sean Douglas with two S's. Uh, very easy to find. And you can also find us at thegrowthlab.fun, not .com, .fun. Um, and you can always uh, submit a message through there to connect with us. Uh, or my email address is sean at seandouglas.net. So either of those ways, I would love to connect. And if there's any way that I can serve you, um, I would love the opportunity to do that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I will chat with you later if you want to hang on down there. I'll All right. Down there in a minute. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us again this evening and for entertaining, for allowing Sean and I to entertain you. And uh, again, feel free to reach out to him. He is an amazing person. He's very skilled at what he does. And I gave you guys all of our announcements earlier. So if you want to contribute to the Battle to Be projects, right now we are raising funds for the uh, Ferryman project. We are looking to purchase a laser engraver of our own. 
so that we have that on site and we can do the plaques that we do for you guys uh, relatively quickly and get them to you right away when we have the need to do that. So that's what we're currently raising funds for to make our program independent so that we're um, able to do things as cost effectively and quickly as possible for you guys. So if you want to contribute to that, please do so at battletobe.org. And I will see you guys on Thursday.